Good morning. It's good to be here today. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing Rod back <laughs> here with us in the building and Karen as well. And, um, I know that for many of us, these changes are, are moving a lot of us you know, mentally, emotionally. There's so much change happening. And it's so important really to, to hear God through this, this time and, and really be, be the church in this, in this season. Well, all the time, really. I want you to open your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 1. Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> but it's nice to hear a baby in the building, I think. There's life always. There's always life. Um, we're going to read two texts. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 15 to 23, and then a Revelation chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, sorry, verses 1 to 8. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward, towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for, your, for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the true immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in the age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then, if you come with me to Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I, have, I also hate." He who has an ear, let him hear what the, Spirit of the Lord, what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen. Father, speak to us this morning. We pray that you uh, bring a revelation and insight into our hearts, Lord. We grow into the fullness of what you've called us to be as your church here in the city. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know how many of you remember doing school trips as children or as in, in primary schools, if you remember your school trip. I, I always uh, 
they were quite fun, going, going up on the train, going into the city uh, with your teacher, everyone holding hands. It was an adventure. It was, a, you know, we were going out to see something special. Usually a museum. Usually we would get to go somewhere, the British Museum or a gallery or occasionally, I think once we'd maybe done the zoo as a school. Um, but I, I remember one school trip where we went to the National, I think it was the National Portrait Gallery, I think in a Trafalgar Square. And I remember our guide, he was so uh, full of energy, very charismatic, he was very wonderful with his words. I mean, we were engaged, we were hooked. He, he took us to each painting and explained it, but he really got us uh, connected to it. And he took us, I remember, to a room, and we were standing literally in front of a painting. And to me, it looked like a mess, with these blues and greens and whites and yellows, and it just looked like a mess. It was just from, it was from wall to wall. It was a huge painting, and it was just, it made no sense to me. And he was quite quiet at that moment. He wasn't explaining to us what exactly the painting was. And he just said to us, now I want you all to turn around and walk to the end of the room. It was quite a large room, so we walked and we walked, and he was talking with us, keeping us kind of hooked. And he said to us, now turn around and look at that same painting. When we turned around and we looked at it from afar, from a distance, there's this wonderful water lilies across the wall. And when we were close up, straight in front of it, we could not see this treasure. We could not see this beautiful art. But as we stood further away from it, we were able to capture the beauty and the, this, this wonderful painting. If I'm not wrong, I think it was a Monet, and, and it was, well, today valued in the millions. But as a young child, it just didn't, you know, it looked like a mess. It was like someone just kind of splattered paint all over the wall and just, you know, put it up there. You know, I could have done that, I thought. But now looking back at it, when I stood back and waving, wow, this is amazing. This guy had a gift to, to be able to see something in the distance. When, I, when we were looking at this text, there's something about looking at the treasure, something about seeing the bigger picture, something special within what God is saying to his church. In the previous uh, message I read, um, what we had shared here, I spoke to you about how we are in Christ and how this wonderful blessings that we have being in him, this security and acceptance. And Paul kind of just saying, assuring these, this church there. But now, I want you to see how God wants us also here now to kind of open the treasures that Jesus has for us. And that's what Paul does in this portion of scripture. He's continuing, I mean, really, this is a whole letter and a sermon, an open letter to a church. And we're here dissecting it piece by piece. But it's good to know, I mean, this is the Ephesian church, the Ephesus church, a church where idolatry was rampant. There was this huge temple to uh, the goddess Diana, and she was worshipped uh, afar and near. They had lots of priests and lots of sacrifices and offerings, a place of immorality, a place of commerce, of business. I mean, the, the financial strength that this temple had, it became almost like a bank that nations and cities would deposit their money into this temple. Imagine the influence and the power this city, this port, had across the, its sphere of influence. It had a, a, a real stronghold, spiritually and even well, physically, and, and, and its systems and structures. And Paul's writing them. And when you read the book of Acts, just to give a little background, Paul had preached the gospel there, and many had converted, had left this idolatrous witchcraft and left their, this pagan religion, and they were selling their books of sorcery and witchcraft and they were worth thousands of silver coins and precious to them. 
And they were coming to Christ. And this was destroying the business, the commerce within this city. And Paul was persecuted. And, but yet he plants this church. And now Paul sends this letter. We see this letter being written. This, this, uh, we catch it. And we're just getting a glimpse, really, because there's so much wealth in this whole epistle. But what it means to us, also what today, and the first kind of going into it, I want just to understand that Paul writes to people who were Christian believers, Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish, they didn't have that background, maybe slaves, people who were working in the city. And so Paul is not being complex really in this, he really is just trying to communicate some very simple truths that obviously have profound depth, they have, like again about this this painting. You look at it at the beginning, okay, it doesn't clear. But as you step back, okay, now I see something bigger in there. So Paul writes this letter. He knew that the Ephesians were, had a spiritual stronghold to overcome. So they had to have a security and a confidence because they were planted somewhere where everything seemed to be against them. Financially, systems and structures, religions, everything seemed to oppose. And there's this church right bang in the middle there this church in this province, in this area, and, and he, they needed to know how to stand, how to, and to need to know the treasures that they had in Christ, the richness that they had in the Lord, the goodness of God towards them. And the first thing that we see is that Paul says, I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've heard about your love to the saints. Their faith and their love was speaking out. Their faith and their love was resounding across the Christian network, the Christian community. That they were heard that they, they were trusting in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That they had a faith and a confidence in Him. And they were understanding that, that God's will was to be done. It's easy to do the will of God when everything is working out for you. But I think faith really shines in darkness. Faith shines in dark places. And that's, what this, and that's this church shining in a very dark place. And so Paul says, I can hear that from you. Your faith is shining. And the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ is just is, is loud. And that confidence in his lordship that he reigns, that you're making him lord of your life. That you're not just making him lord occasionally. You're not just making him lord on a Sunday. But you're making him lord daily. And so that, that confidence that was speaking out. But also, their love for one another was speaking out. Their love as a church, a love for the saints. I, I remember someone loving the saints in heaven, what glory. Loving the saints on the earth, well, that's another story. <laughs> that it's sometimes not easy to love our brothers and sisters in Christ on the earth. We all have different backgrounds, cultures, different ways of thinking. Are you on this side of the political party? Are you on that side? Are you for social justice? Or are you for the, the wealth of, 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 uh, or economical growth and so forth and back? And the wonderful thing is that the church has all of that, doesn't it? The church should have people from all different walks and backgrounds and people who love the arts and the media, people who love the business, people who love music, people who love sports, people who are involved in government, people who are involved in media people who are involved in education, people who are building families. The church should have all of that expression. And to know that they can love one another. They were loving the slaves. They were loving the free. They were loving the tax collector. They were loving the Roman 
soldiers. They were loving one another. And that was speaking out. So that love was, was breaking the barriers. And Paul was saying, I see your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I see your love for one another. Now, and, I, and when I hear those things, all I can do is give thanks to God. And this outpouring that Paul just feels this, it's like, I just want to give glory to God. I just want to thank God because I hear your faith. I hear your love. And I want you to now know the treasure that you have inside of you. I want you to understand what God has given to you. This testimony that Paul could see was welling up inside of him and saying, I, I want to just pour out and show you what Christ has done for you or what Christ is doing in you, what Christ was, was building up inside of them. So he, he goes into this kind of apostolic prayer for the church. And there's a the way I could describe it is I felt like I was breaking into something and the more I broke it, there was more to, 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 to reveal. And it's like, Lord, there's so much into this. There's so much that you're, you're wanting to, us to understand. See, he didn't pray for them to have something more added. Lord, give him another building. Lord, give him another rich benefactor. Lord, give him another... Uh, thousand souls. Lord, give them another mission strategy. Lord, give them more resources. He didn't pray for something to be added to them. He prayed for them to know what they had in them, to know what Christ was in them. So Paul begins by this in saying, I want you to know, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of Him, of Christ, of Jesus. My prayer is that you know more about Him, more of the truth of who Christ is in you. More of the truth of Jesus is. Understand more of the gospel. That that will be... So that, that's the beginning of this prayer. It is not to have a false image of who Christ is. Not to have a false image of what Christ does. But to have it. And so, these early believers sharing the testimony, sharing about the life of Jesus, the apostles living the example. But now that he didn't want just them to hear about it. I want you to experience it. I want you to know Him. I want you to know Him personally. To know that the same Jesus that is united with the Father, that is in the, and together with the Spirit, this wonderful relationship that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has, this wonderful blessing, you are also part of it, that you could also know this is in you. So not, a, not to have a false image of the works of Christ, that you really know He loved the poor, the orphan, the widow. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He resurrected the dead. For them to know that same Christ was in them. So He has this prayer. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of who He is or who God is. Adding to that, He says, I also want you to have an understanding. I also want you to know the hope and the call of the inheritance, this, what you, the richness, again, this treasure that you have as being the church. The church is those who are called out, that we are called out to be separated unto Him. And we're here in, in the city, called out. I think we're the only, probably right now, one of the few churches, if, if not the only church, in the city of London holding service and having people coming in. As far as I know, I, I, I've not heard... And we haven't stopped. I mean, the community, and that's been a wonderful testimony to us and a confidence in the building that the church hasn't stopped, even with the church community that lives in the building. 
somehow like the, the fire has just continuously burned, that the called out ones haven't given up. And it gives us, those who are coming online, because again, some of us will be going back online after this, but it gives us that wonderful knowledge that the church is, is moving, it's connecting as well. It's that mystery, isn't it, that the church be, I know the church isn't a building, the church is you and I, but it's wonderful when we know that we're gathered together, that we come to, to, to join. And I, I, talking with other friends who are in ministry, other pastors and leaders, it's a challenging time right now because they're unable to gather together. It is a, and because of the size or, the, or because of the, the way they're shaped or because they don't own a building, they're finding it difficult to, to be together and they're losing that physical or connection in a way. I'm not saying physical contact, as some of them are actually, obviously all are practicing their physical distancing. But there is something wonderful about seeing face to face, isn't there? There's something about seeing your sister and your brother, the laughter, the, the smile, and when they worship, when you see the hands go up. I don't know for me, but I'm appreciating church a lot more now. <laughs> and seeing, you know, this has made me to, to realize how important these things are. We, we can so easily take for granted the things that we have continuously. Now, again, God is shaking things up through this season as well. And we know that the pandemic wasn't caused by God, but by the sinfulness of man. That these things, but the church, again, shines, its faith shines in this darkness. It shines in this turbulence. Paul prays for them. I want you to know you're called. I want you to know you're chosen. And this must be so important, especially for a slave at that time, for those who maybe did not have their own identity, for those who felt lost or belonging to someone else, to hear the letter, to hear the message and the gospel, and to hear the pastor saying to, to them, you are chosen and you are called out and you are special and you're God's inheritance. I was talking to a friend early at the beginning of the pandemic. He said to me that at the lockdown, he felt so shaken and so moved. He felt a loss of identity, a loss of purpose, a loneliness, a loss of community. All of that, he was, was being built up because of the job he had. He worked here in the city. He had his friends in the office. They would go after work to drink. He had purpose. He had, he had an authority because he was at a high position. He had a knowledge, a purpose to come in every morning. He was going, his gym was closed. I mean, that was the biggest pain he felt, the gym being closed as well. Because all of that gave him this image and identity. And imagine these Ephesians, these, these men and women in that city, maybe some of the poor, some of the outcasts, the slaves, hearing the message that they have been chosen, hearing that they are now special, an inheritance, that God's treasure is in them. What confidence that would have given them, assurance, and how much more to us as well. That no matter the, the things that can be pulled away from us, the things that are being shaken, the things that are being removed around us, we could know that we are accepted, that we are secure, and we are significant in Christ Jesus. And we really have, again, it's, it's just coming back to very simple, but really important roots of our faith. 
of being in Christ and being in Him and having that confidence to stand when everything else is being pulled away. I don't know how many of you get to walk across the city here on a Monday to Friday, and you can see the change. Shops closed. Coffee shops closed. Um, I think it was a, an, a, one of the owners of the store had an open letter on the BBC pleading and asking for office workers to come back because they're losing so much. And everything's shifting and changing. And who knows how things... I, there are things that it won't return to how it was. That for some companies, actually having people at home is easier. Less commute, less office space to pay, no more cleaners to pay or security staff. In one way, they can become rich, but in another way, they're affecting a whole more. And so this identity, this confidence has been shaken. And how important it is for us to know that our we are God's treasure. We are His, we are His special people. We are His community here. Paul goes on to add, and I also want you to know the power, this power, immeasurable power that the believer has, this greatness and might that is in Christ. I want you to know who, who Christ is. I want you to have the wisdom and revelation of Christ. I want you to know that you're chosen and calling out. But I also want you to know this treasure of the power of God that is in you. The power and the might that's working inside of you. And I like this illustration as I was looking in one of the commentaries on just this, and it just helped me to kind of, I'm a visual person. I like images. That's why I talk about art a little bit. And I was, the, when you see a bulldozer, it has power, doesn't it? A bulldozer has the power to knock a wall down, a tree, uproot it. Bulldozers have power. But if it's without, if it is no one turning on the ignition, if it hasn't been turned on, the power's there, but it's not on. The engine turns on now. You can, you can almost feel the vibration in the ground. The power's on. But when you start seeing it move, breaking walls, uprooting trees, that power is now moving and active. And those words that, put, that are used here is, is that. that we know, I want you to know that the power is there. I want you to know that the power is ready. And I want you to know that the power is active. And that's that power that works in the church. That we here together, gathered here as believers in the Spirit of God, that power is in us. That power is like revving up inside and it is active for us to do the works, to share the gospel, to be a good father, to be a good wife, to be a good student, to be a worker in Christ, to be light in darkness, to have that faith, to love one another. There's that power of God working and moving inside of us. We need to know that that power... And for the Ephesians, it was important. Because it was... They were seeing the demonic powers. They were seeing the witchcraft. They were seeing the powers that were around. If God could open our eyes to see... I guess in one part it would be too much probably to see this, the powers and principalities working. But in a way, we know. The greed the immorality, the injustices that we, we know that are happening around. The recession now that comes in and depression that we, we hear that is on its way as well. For, the, for, the, for that early church, it was important to know 
Yet we have a power that's higher. We have a power and authority. I was remembering a friend on the mission field sharing the gospel out somewhere if I, in northern Nigeria. And he was in a place where the gospel hadn't reached out much. And witchcraft, shamans, words, whatever you use, they were the authorities, or they had the power, they, authority in name, but they had power. And then he would share the gospel, and some of them would be angry with him as he was planting churches amongst the people groups there. But one of the things that the, when a, one of the witch doctors, one of the leaders that became a, a Christian, he said, we as witch doctors have power, but you as Christians have power and authority. He recognized that. We have power, but we don't have authority. But you as Christians, we can see you have power and authority. We have the authority in Jesus' name, and we have his power through the Holy Spirit. So when we come, and even here, when we come, we come in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. We have that confidence for our family, that confidence for whatever we face. <laughs> a lot of the, when my wife and I worked with the community from Latin America, a lot of them, as they were coming into England, and a lot of them were Catholic in background and religion, but they would go to the witch doctor as well, and they would get the, I think it was called like a spiritual bath for good luck. I want to be prosperous when I get to England. I don't want immigration to deport me. I don't want all this other stuff. They, they wanted power, but they didn't understand that Jesus is the one who gives authority and power. Paul wants them to know this. As a church, we have power and authority. God's power is active and it's working continuously in his church. It was the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the power that seated him on the right hand of God the Father, above all heavenly, in the heavenly places, above all power, above all authority, above all dominion, above every name that is named. And then, after these kind of three things that Paul kind of explains, these, these treasures that you have, he goes on to explain to them that God has placed everything under the feet of Jesus. And for me, that's, that's that confidence to know that this, whatever corruption, injustice, whatever thing that is going on in the world right now, it is all under Jesus' feet. He is sovereign. We must play our part. Yes, we must be involved in, 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 in politics in, the, in the, a godly, righteous way. We must pray for those who are in leadership, for those who govern. We must pray for the education, for the NHS, for those who are making decisions for our country. But everything is under Jesus' feet. And we can have that confidence. And on top of that, he says that the church, the body, he is the fullness of all that fills all. That Jesus and the church are so connected together. And something that stood out to me as I read this is that Jesus is the source of all that the church needs. When, when we're filled with Christ, and when we know that who we are, when we know that we are in Him, 
that we know that the power that's working in us, that we know that we've been called out for him, we can stand. And it is time, as everything's been shaken, as you hear theaters are not able to open, as musicians are losing this, and uh, media having to make cutbacks. Um, I don't know how many of you know the magazine Time Out. It's a popular one here, now, Time Out magazine. I know from uh, I was picking up one of the kids, one of the guys who works there, uh, his kid was also at the same in our primary school, and he said we've had to cut more than 70% of our staff and reduce, and we're having to reduce, and everyone's working from home. No one's going out. You know, what can, how do we use, how do we, what do we do with a magazine saying time out when everyone's spending time in? You know, what do we do? And yet, it's an, again, it's this thing about the church and us, Lord, everything is moving and shaking. Lord, we need, more than ever, we need an awakening and we need an outpouring. Because when it's broken and humble, Lord, your spirit can enter the arts and entertainment, enter the business, enter the education, enter the family, enter the government, enter the media, enter the religion systems, and start an awakening within these areas. Everything is being shaken. Everything's being moved. In Revelation, kind of to kind of conclude a part of the message here, when a pastor says we're about to finish, <laughs> is he really going to finish? Our faithfulness in, in the church has a reward. Our faithfulness in, in what God has called us to be as a church has a reward. And we see this in Revelation. These, these letters that the apostle writes to, 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 the seven, to the seven churches, but the one of Ephesus I just wanted to highlight because we've been reading Ephesians and just sharing those, those thoughts about the church and their challenges and their struggle. I like that God speaks that he knows their work. And that this church had been faithful. It had endured. It, it, God had seen their work. God sees our work. God sees our patience, our endurance, our efforts. God sees it. He sees that this church did not bear with injustice. It, it stood against what was wrong. It spoke against the systems and structures. It did something. Well, something that made me laugh about this church as well was that it was a, a church that challenged apostles and, re and recognized this is a false one and this is false teaching. You know, when you grow up in, in, in the way I grew up in church, you know, the man of God, you don't challenge him. <laughs> so yeah, my, those of you growing up maybe in cultures, it's, it's, it's that. You, you, you never challenge. But yet this church challenged. When someone would say they're an apostle, when someone would bring a false teaching, they would challenge it and recognize. And for the name of Jesus, they were, they were guarding and protecting. And they weren't giving up. They were not weary. They were not tired. They were continuously. So you just, when you read Revelation and you see the Ephesus church, they were really outstanding. There's a warning. And the warning was, you'd lost your first love, this relationship. And it makes me think so much about Paul's prayer. I want you to know who you are in Christ. I want you to know him. I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of him. That as the same way that Jesus is with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, the same way that this relationship, you are now part of that. And I don't want you to lose that. Because it is so easy to be a church that 
wants to defend the truth, that wants to stand for what is right, to speak and, and forget that first love, that it is a relationship. We can be on the defense and on the battlefields consistently and forget we also need to be in the place of worship and intimacy, looking after those two areas. It may be that you're battling at home for the salvation of your children and you're constantly there. I've got to teach them the Word of God. I've got to pray for them and intercede. But also look after that relationship with God, taking care of that intimacy with Him. And that was their warning to this church at the end. But He said to them, remember, and this is the key, He says, remember and repent and go back to the first works. Go back to what it was. Go I think for me, it's like, go back to, to Ephesians' letter. Go back to that. Know who you are in Christ. Know the power. Know who He is. Know who you've been called out. Know that He's been resurrected. Know these, these truths. Know that you're the church. Know that Jesus is, is, is seated high above all authority and everything's placed under His feet. That the body of Christ is filled with Jesus and that you are the influence and you are the light that shines in the darkness. Go back to that and remember there's a reward that you will conquer, that you will taste parasite, that you will celebrate, that you will be part of that feast. And I do, I do want to, one of those things that stands out is that God is going to expose churches that have, not, that have grown without him. And that's Rod's words. <laughs> those are not mine. Sounds good, doesn't it? But his is. It's one of those things that stick out and you think, I need to put that in here. <laughs> because for me it is. that I, it, is, it is so easy to look at things and think numbers. And it's not that. It, ministry without the Lord will not be rewarded. Church without Jesus will not be rewarded. Discipleship without Jesus cannot be rewarded. Now he said to them, in, in, when we look at the Gospels, you know, go away from me. I do not know you. It's this relationship to be with him, to know him. So the treasure is in Christ and in his church, this treasure that is in us. There was this father and son who were always in a difficult relationship. He was the firstborn. Why is it the firstborn's always... <laughs> The first one, we have, I'm a firstborn. So we're always trying to break ground. We're always, <laughs> the others live from our, our successes and our failures. They avoid all, the, you know, we get the pain and they get to enjoy the fruit. But this father and this son, the eldest, they were arguing, they were, and it was coming to a point where he was going to university. And he said to his dad, I don't want anything with you. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to prove myself to you. So he goes off. His dad loved him. Hot-headed, strong, strong personality. And the father would send the son a letter every other week. The son didn't open the letters, just kind of like, I don't really want to know. I'm going to prove to him that I can do it. And he struggled, struggled to pay the rent, struggled to eat, struggled for this, struggled for that. He's hot-headed. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to him and whatever. I'm going to get through this. It got hard. It's a place where he was kind of broken down. I'm going to open up those letters. What can I do? At least see what, how dad's doing. So he opens the letters. He sees a check in the letter. 
sees this wonderful love letter from his dad. I love you. I know we said some hard things, but I still know you're going to do it. You're going to do well. Here's, some ch- here's a check. Hope it covers your rent. Hope it covers your food. And if you need more, just let me know. He opened another letter, another check. He opened another letter. Again, words of encouragement, words of, and another check. You're thinking, gosh, I, I missed out. You know, I, I need to sort things out. The treasure was in the letter. The treasure was there in this communication, in this relationship. And sometimes we've got to remember the treasure is in the letter. The blessing is in there. And it's in the spirit of God that reveals it to us and empowers us. And then that's, that, that check or that is deposited in us. And we're like, okay, I can walk this through. I can do this. You know, this isn't going to be hard. God has a promise for my son. God has a promise for my daughter. God has a promise for our church. God has a promise for my business. God has a promise for for this situation. God has a promise for my nation. God has a promise for the city of London. God has got a promise for the United Kingdom. We will see it come through. The treasure is in the letter. God's going to do something great. Amen? Amen. Let us stand in prayer. Father, we thank you that we today can feed from your word. We can understand that as a church, you want us to shine in our faith. You want us to love one another. Lord, that it is the horizontal, the vertical, to love God with all our might and strength and to love one another as we, as we love ourselves, Lord. You want us, Lord, to be a church that knows who you are, the relationship and the wonderful riches that we have in you, to know that power that works in us, Lord. It's active and continuously moving, Lord. To know, Lord, the goodness of God is for us every day, Lord. To know that your mercy is always there for us, Lord. So, Lord, that your healing is for the church. Your healing is for those that are around us as well, Lord. Lord, that you've placed everything under the feet of Jesus and we are your body, Lord. That no power, no weapon formed against your body, Lord, will ever prosper, Lord. That when the church is being persecuted, Lord, they are touching you. When the church is in a time of difficulty, it's coming against you. Lord, we are grateful, Lord. Keep us as a church that remembers the, the first works, the relationship, the goodness of God, to know the treasure that you've given to us, Lord. Father, I'm grateful, Lord, that we, we, we're here, that our, the leadership and the eldership here have told us to be remain faithful, opening every Sunday, Lord, and being a church every Sunday here, Lord, and sharing and having the doors open for the world to see, Lord. The church hasn't closed. The church hasn't gone away. That you still shine, Lord. Father, I pray for healing. I pray for any sickness, anything that is affecting bodies right now. Muscles, nerves, tendons, whatever, Lord. You'll bring a healing touch, Lord. Pray for those listening. Lord, that you heal bodies right now, Lord. You touch them with your spirit. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Giver of grace without end. 